live. We are live from Skype. This is uh, this is J. David Osborne over here. Um, on the other side of me digitally, the David James Keaton. Hello, Dave. Whoop, whoop. And today we are going to talk about You Were Never Really Here, a very artistic and beautiful crime thriller starring Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> and... Uh, done by the director who did talk about Kevin, right? Hold on. Yes, I'm gonna look yes. This, I'm going to look this up. Uh, Lynn, Lynn something. Lynn, uh, fuck, what's her name? Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey. We're going to talk, talk about Lynn Ramsey, who is known yep. best as uh, a director. Of, rat catcher. Of rat catcher. And, and uh, have you seen um, Kevin? No, I have not. No. So it's perfect. It's amazing, dude. And imagine like she dropped that movie right around um, school shootings were just starting to to take off. Yeah, um, right. Not that not that they ever stopped. Mm-hmm. So imagine navigating that and still making such an excellent movie. It's so good. I'll have to check it out. Is it uh, is it Tilda Swinton that's in that one? It is. Uh, what's fun about it is is it um, it seems to you know there's always the nurture or nature argument about who creates these these little psychos right yeah right and uh the i don't i still don't know her answer you know it because it's um it's kind of an old classic tale the mother has a baby and she kind of hates the baby yeah (laughs) but as you watch it you're like she she that baby deserves to be hated what a shitty little baby yeah and it's there's some sort of disconnect between the two of them all their lives um, so right there, you're like, I'm already, I'd already don't know what side of that argument to come down on. Cause it seems like she's creating this monster because their, their relationship is so bad. But if, if the director says the baby sucks, <laughs> you know what I mm-hmm, mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no, yeah. I, and you know what beautiful. I like so much about what you're saying too, is that, um, th- I think you can read a lot into you were never really here. Right. Um, uh-huh. and you know how refreshing it is to be talking about this? And I have no idea politically what Lynn Ramsey thinks about anything. You know uh, what I mean? A, and that's a great place to be, right? It's just, I feel, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I was uh, talking on the phone to a friend yesterday and we were kind of talking about this. And I, he doesn't really go on Twitter anymore because he was basically saying, you know, I sell more books when I'm not on Twitter, right? When people... Because he's like aggressive and he has controversial things that he, I, I think his Twitter account is really uh, entertaining. But he was like, "Yeah, no, it's just I stop talking and the books start selling again." And I think that that's more common than we realize. I think we all got on this thing thinking that it was going to help boost sales, and now it's like I want to return to that golden age where I don't know what the fuck you think about anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do miss those days. Although I, I guess a sort of a counter to that. One of my worst received stories that I ever read publicly mm-hmm. was was me, I guess, kind of playing a Lynn, Lynn Ramsey a bit mm-hmm. with a, with a popular topic. Um, it, I have this story called Three Abortions and a Miscarriage," mm-hmm. which was just me trolling essentially. Yeah. The story was the story was made. The title was you know came came up way before the story because I thought it was a funny title, like Four Weddings and a Funeral." Mm-hmm. And it was for a, it was kind of to troll a workshop I was in at the time, but I've got, I got really into the story and, uh, each section is just, 
a hypothetical um, like this this dude keeps getting people pregnant, but then something happens where they have abortions or miscarriages. But in the story, it's if the children lived and how shitty his life would be mm-hmm. five times five times over. Right. So it seemed, but it's done. I thought it was done in a funny way, so that it wouldn't be this message story. So I read it out. I read it in public, and I thought this is gonna be a big hit. People are gonna love it, you know. And yeah. uh, it was a it was a big it was fairly large reading. Uh, you know, comparable to now, I can't seem to. Every reading I go to has like four people, but um, this one had this one had you know a packed bar. And uh, there's a line in it where I where the character says it's a line that I thought would be a nice way to tr- thread that needle of um, trolling both pro-choice and um, pro-life people. And so the character says something like, uh, you know, I believe that abortion is 100% taking the life of another human being, but I'm okay with that. And as soon as that that line comes up in the story, I lost them. Mm. And which is the, they kind of wanted a a set um, ideology with that story. Mm -hmm. And when it drifted in that limbo, they just I saw them turn, tune out. I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty good at seeing a crowd tune out because I've seen it before. Yeah. And they and plus the story was too long. That might be the whole problem I, right there. I, I don't know, man. I think that I lost some people some people might feel that way. Some people genuinely might uh, want their movies to be message movies. I think I don't know. I feel like most people probably don't. At the end of the day. See, that's uh, what I thought. I, I thought it was the perfect thing where it would be like what Lynn Ramsey did with We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is don't give – don't uh, participate in that discussion. Instead, get, you know, cast a wide net of – of um, trolling is not the right word, but you know what make, I mean? Making like, art I think is what I would call it. That's yeah, just okay, how you, okay. that's how you write. That's how you're supposed to make stuff. It's not and, really – as soon as you start telling people what – like exactly how to think, you're not really – you're not writing a, a story anymore. You're yeah, writing know, an I essay. Do, I think you're absolutely right because when you're doing – because you can't avoid political topics. You can't avoid like the abortion topic is going to come up maybe one day in something you write, right? Mm-hmm. So the only – so maybe like you're saying, the only artistic way to approach it – is just to sort of dabble in all of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, it didn't work though. It, it just yeah. didn't, it didn't work. I thought, uh, and I, it was sort of inspired by what she did with the nature or nurture argument that again, maybe people, I don't know, maybe I'm overstating that people even give a shit about that argument in that movie. But I, I thought it was right there on the top the whole time. I'm thinking she's, I love how she's refuses to answer this question. Um, but anyway, well, so. people have a real allergic reaction these days to the both sides argument. But the reason why they have that reaction is because both sides is normally employed uh, by the right when they want to be racist Nazis. Right. And they're like, well, you got to look at both sides of the thing. But that's right. not an interesting question. Looking at both sides of an interesting question makes for really good art. I think that. Well, I guess movies do that too with even with Nazis, right? There's movies like American History X and The Believer and stuff like that that sort of seem to just kind of document what's good. I think both sides works best when you're making art. It's not good for discussion whether online or in right. person, but sure. it's but it it literally is just I mean the the most the movies that I love the most are uh pretty much amoral. They they don't seem to 
really right. and so it has no part and if i was to have an actual discussion about abortion i would just be like fuck pro-life people but mm-hmm. but then again i look at some did you ever see uh um the lake of fire the movie lake of fire uh-uh. so it's a it's an oddity it's um the guy who directed uh, American History X, mm. which it's kind of funny. We're swirling all around abortion and Nazis in this fucking podcast. Hell yeah, dude. But but American History X was hilarious because a lot of my friends went and saw it and uh, totally came out of that with their head screwed on wrong, thinking, man, he looked badass. Right. <laughs> you know, when he curb stomped that guy, that was amazing. Right. Like he, he, you were supposed to recoil and, and disgust when he did that. And they're like, no, that's what I'd do if somebody came to my house. So they, so, so people totally missed the point of that one because he looked, Edward Norton looks so pumped up and cool. Yeah. So, and so that director, um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he distanced himself from the final product. I think for those same reasons, mm. I think um, Edward Norton is one of those guys. You've noticed that he, when he's involved in a movie, all of a sudden there's like screen or screenplay credits to him because yeah. he's because he take kind of takes over, wants to maybe give himself lines. I don't know what he does. The director but... is uh, Tony K. Tony K. Yeah, I'm friends with him on Facebook actually. Dope. So he, um, so he kind of distanced himself from it, and there was talk of did Edward Norton direct the final project of American History X because there's so many loving shots of him you know, when he's supposed to be evil. Yeah. And so anyway, long story short, the Tony K goes on to make an abortion documentary called Lake of fire. And the line is taken from the abortion protesters, you know, out there saying you're going to burn in hell for having an abortion. Mm. And, uh, it's a fascinating documentary. It's, um, it's one of those documentaries where it, it kind of touches on a little bit of what I was saying in that short story. It's, it's clearly pro choice. Mm-hmm. But it's pro-choice in a way where it says we're not going to um, pretend like this isn't the destruction of a human being. Yeah. Which is weird because uh, – and that made me think, OK, the American History X might have existed in a form we've never seen mm-hmm. that, that is m- much more dark or much more challenging. When ironically the one that's very cookie-cutter black and white, literally black and white when it shows the flashbacks mm-hmm. – is the one that's um, made, had receptions that, that uh, where people got confused about their alignment to it. Like if they would have compli- if if it would have been a more complicated version of that movie, I think you would have come come out of it not off center about who, where your sympathies lie. Yeah. But because they made him beefed up and looking like a badass when he was curb stomping the gang members, people came out of it totally misaligned, thinking that's what you do. Right. You know, and anyway, I, I'm well, I think all what's, place, but, what's interesting yeah. about what you said about Lake of Fire, too, is that those are the kind of honest discussions that art can have that people can't have in person. When you said that, you know, it's a pro-choice film that doesn't shy away from the fact that it that it's the destruction of a life. Right. Well, yeah, there's a detailed if you watch it, it shows an abortion like mm-hmm. from be- from beginning to end mm-hmm. but the and the person who allows the person who lets the cameras in there she's like I have no problem doing this um and then you watch it and you're thinking why this is this seems like the inclusion of this seems gratuitous mm-hmm. but then you think but that's the discussion yeah it is well there's I was listening to a guy named Kevin Williamson who's I think a he's a conservative writer for the National Review he's very very pro life type of guy and um yeah, I mean, when you hear this discussion that he has with this other dude, it's, I mean, I'm obviously pro-choice, but 
his argument also makes sense too, because if you if you go into it thinking like that that's a life that uh, is being extinguished in a weird way, it makes sense that people bomb abortion clinics or kill abortion doctors, because in the same way that it makes sense to you know I guess I don't know go to war to stop like it's it, it if you're actually saving real babies' lives then all of a sudden it kind of puts that in a perspective that's uncomfortable, but it makes sense, right? I guess it would be easier for me to give that sympathy if every time you didn't see an abortion clinic, you didn't see this these creepy dudes that, you know, clearly have in the back of their eyeballs have this weird hatred for women. Totally, like there's no, yeah. Like what is going on with those fucking people? I, yeah. Did I ever tell you I used to live kind of close to a clinic? And there was this fucking dude who would carry a cross, not even just a mm-hmm. cross, like a, a cross they made, he made out of balsa wood or something. It was made out of like railroad ties or something. Hmm. And he would drag this cross in front of the abortion clinic. And, yeah. and I remember, uh, I remember telling my friends, I'm like, I'm going to take that dude's cross because what a story, right? Mm-hmm. Steal, <laughs> but the, the more we thought about it, we're like, how would you even, what if you tried to steal the cross from the abortion protester and you couldn't carry it? Well, yeah, that'd be embarrassing. You know, yeah. Suddenly, I would I would be his story. You know, mm-hmm. he would t- it would be like a fable. He, they tried to take it, and they couldn't carry it. You yeah, know no, I mean? for sure, for sure. <laughs> it's like yeah. that fucking story of you know when two footprints in this or two sets of footprints in the stand, uh, sand. That's when I could, was carrying you or whatever. Right, but no, but I think that yeah, no, and I, I think that that's where it gets tricky, right? And again, to bring it back to the kind of whole movie book art sort of discussion, it's like the thing that I you know just said about it being sort of understandable understandable doesn't mean that you have to agree with it like well, you can with, i can understand i can understand why people could i understand why people jump off of bridges right i mean i understand why people do a lot of stuff but right. i but think then that when the, when the worst per- people in the world agree with you it's it's like how you can't even say it anymore it's like yeah. we're stuck with the you're stuck you can't have a conversation if the worst people in the world you know Start nodding their heads. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then you think, whoops. <laughs> right. Right. But it's not what it's, it's, it's because both sides are misunderstanding like what it means to understand. Right. So when those people are nodding their heads, you almost want to be like, I'm not agreeing with you. Stop helping. I'm just, I'm, I'm making a very nuanced point about, <laughs> about the fact that like, I see where you're coming from. I think you're insane and I think it's wrong. And I think you should not do that. But I understand. I'm not. A, I'm not afraid to like admit that I get it. I get where people are coming from. I just think it's wrong. So, one of my favorite stories before I don't want to drop the abortion topic just yet. <laughs> yeah, sure, go for it. Before my one of my favorite stories, dude. I, I think is it T.C. Boyle. You ever read his story, Killing Babies? No. Um, I think, I think it's T.C. Boyle. Let me make sure I give credit where credit is due because if you're going to Google killing babies, people are going to be playing Russian roulette with the internet. Yeah. Let me see. T.C. Boyle. I think it's him. Hold on. I'm yeah. Googling it right now. Yeah. It was in The New Yorker in on yeah. December 2nd, 1996. It's amazing. Uh, in a, I'm going to not do it justice, but essentially there's a guy who's just kind of a piece of shit. He needs a job and his brother um, is a doctor in an abortion clinic mm-hmm. so it's told from the point of view of somebody who's not really invested in the, in that argument or in that world it's just an average dude who wants to crash on a couch mm-hmm. and as he goes to the abortion clinic to um, hang out with his brother and do odd jobs uh, he starts to hey he has to walk through the protesters every day mm-hmm. 
and it's it's going to sound so overly simplified, but I'm going to spoil it anyway. Every day as he walks through those protesters, he just gets more and more and annoyed with them until he comes back and murders all of them. That's awesome. And, and the last line of the story that I remember because of the title is he's like, it was pretty easy. It was like killing babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great punchline. That's a really yes. great punchline. Yeah. And see, so so even like in the context of that story, I mean, I could understand why that guy did that. You know what I mean? It's like. Do I think it's okay to act to go murder a bunch of abortion protesters? Eh, no. But I get it. I get. Yeah. It. I didn't. You should. I, I would definitely read it if you can go to the New Yorker's got the link up still. Did yeah, say- I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes. So what I'm doing now is I'm actually going to as we talk, I'm actually going to look up the things that we talk about and I'm going to like put them in the show notes. It'll what? be really cool. A, did this turn into a real show while I was gone? I think it's I think it's worth I think it's just worth if I keep it all up while we're talking and I'm able to just if you know god willing Skype doesn't cut us off right if I can just get this whole thing recorded put the intro music on it throw up all the all the links to all the things we talk about it could it could be so smooth man it could be such a smooth process I like it I, you said our names at the beginning and I was like where am I yeah dude welcome well let's well let's talk about a movie I think that that would be sure. a clear indication of intent is if we stop talking about abortion and Nazis sure and, and we talked about film let's talk about some this fucking dad rock of a movie I liked Girl. it. I liked it, but this is dad rock, dude. It is. It is. Okay, so uh, You Were Never Really Here stars uh, Joaquin Phoenix as a dude who is – he's this – he's he finds uh, missing girls, right, um, which I didn't know was a career that you could have. It's um, a career It's a career in these kinds of movies. Yeah, and he's also extremely secretive. So the movie kind of starts off, <laughs> and he does a job – but while he's but after he does this job, he goes back to his home where he lives with his geriatric mother, and um, this kid is on this fire escape and kind of sees him going into this place, and they exchange this look, and you're like, "What's going on?" And then it turns out that kid is the son of one of his third party middlemen type guys who who sets up the cash drops for his payments for finding girls, and so he immediately shuts that off, right? So immediate, we're we're supposed to know. The first few things we learn in this movie is the main character enjoys – what's his name? Do you remember his name? Let's look up his name. I don't know. Did he have does, one? Does he have a name? Hold on. Let's let's see. But he likes to suffocate himself, um, and he's very, very um, sort of by the book, very, you know, like if one thing goes wrong, he's out. So he's that type, right? So already you sort of have this um, noir – uh, right. The, We've seen this guy before. We've seen him in Joe. Ghost Dog. His name is Joe. We've seen him in Leon. We've seen him in Ghost Dog. It's kind of it was reminding me a lot of Ghost Dog. Like like if somebody watched Ghost Dog and thought that movie's too much fun. So <laughs> let's make let's make him white. And yeah. instead of instead of pigeons, let's give him an old lady. Uh-huh. But we still we still have the little kid and we still have the the betrayal of whoever had hired him. Mm-hmm. And you still have the like headlong to destruction. And instead of uh, some fun interludes and some ice cream, uh, instead you get these crazy uh, bag over the head moments and some mm-hmm. dream sequences in water. There's some they never really tell you what happened in his past. Um, it sort of swirls around, but it's it's one of those movies that makes you feel like it's kind. Of, 
this is this might not be the this this might be exaggerating um, my feelings on it because I did like it. But do you remember when Dance with Wolves came out and it beat out it beat out Goodfellas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the Oscar. So there's a lot of grumbling from um, movie fans like myself. And somebody explained it to me and said, or maybe I read this. Anyway, the explanation was Dances with Wolves is a violent movie that makes men feel like they went to church. Mm. I think that that's what's happening with this movie. Interesting. I think it makes it's there's a nobility to it that I didn't see in her other movies. And I don't know if it, if if she's saying something about if she's pandering to that audience. I was starting to think of if we need to talk about Kevin is is her movie about motherhood. It makes a lot of sense that this is her movie about fatherhood. Oh, that's a good observation. Yeah, and dads dads are easy. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Dads are an easy audience. This well, let's see what we have like with Joe here. What we have with Joe is he's a very simple guy. He he loves his mother, who's the geriatric woman who he lives with. Um, he saves little girls, um, and he's also he's he's a big beefy guy. I like that they made him like not ripped or cut, but right. he just he clearly just bulked for about two months. So he's probably putting down about seven thousand calories a day and lifting some weight. So he's just he's this kind of schlubby, but he still looks like a powerful dude. And he also very, very, kind of looks like the dads that are watching this and going, fuck yes, yeah. he has a dad bod. Yep. He's, got a, he's got a dad bod, but sort of ghost dog. Yeah, I like but, the fact that he was in hoodies. He was in hoodies instead of suits. He wasn't right. like – he wasn't John Wick. He sure. Wearing, he, wore, he wore hoodies. Yeah, but he's he's very focused. He's, he's smart but in a kind of blue-collar, workman-like way. And, but he's also incredibly – focused and determined like he does not he doesn't fail you know and he can fight and he's this big bear dude and you know he he killed he he beats the bad guys right i mean long story short it's that kind of movie and it follows that genre structure to a t yeah like like with sin city and with john wick there's something about those hitmen where uh, some people get frustrated by how predictable it is that they win every fight, mm-hmm. but there there is something to be said for that. When you know that you don't have to, when you know there's no suspense in the fight, something else weird happens. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that's not appealing to a ton of people, but it's appeal, uh, appealing to dads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it is a it is a dad rock thing where somebody's really it's the efficiency porn, right? Mm-hmm. Right. They're they're just good at it. And right. he's definitely, even though they make him look like he wouldn't be, kind of like with Ghost Dog, he's he, he's way too good at it almost. He it, to where that's not suspenseful. What's suspenseful is that you feel like this movie's gonna break loose and become unhinged and not be the movie it is. Hmm. But it does. But it doesn't quite do that. I think an ex, an example. I, I wanted to ask you about this. So there's there's kind of the subgenre of hitmen who befriend young girls or rescue them or rescue, Mm -hmm, rescue young girls. Is that a way of sidestepping the damsel in distress? So if it's not an adult woman, it's not so gross that she has to be rescued. So instead they make it these little kids. What do you think? I don't know what it is, but I, first of all, I think it's weird. Um, my, my first read on it is that there's something, (laughs) there's something weird going on with that. And I don't know if it's because the kid is supposed to represent, uh, like purity or yeah. I don't exactly know what it is, but there, there... 
Go no, ahead. It, it makes the movie feel like those T-shirts were the dads with the T-shirts that says, you know, I'll murder you if you fuck with my daughter. Exactly. There's a there's a weird sexual component like underneath yes. all these films. This one and uh, the like Leon. Oh, my God. And... Leon. We were talking about this the other day. Mm. Only the only the French would indulge in it to the point where it it, it finally just comes to the surface. Right. It's right. like he that is an actual relationship between mm-hmm. the two of those. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. That is that is not him carrying the child around because be, I don't know. I, I even hesitate to say it out loud. But that looks like a love story to me. And it it I wasn't, does. And I'm yeah. not the only one who saw that. When I was in uh, Korea, one of the most popular sort of brands of shirts is actually Leon and whatever the girl's name from Leon is. But they're uh, on all these shirts and they're like cartoon characters and they're just like hanging out together. So it's being read <laughs> in other places as they're maybe a little bit more than just like best pals, you know? Yeah. Which, and that's the the uncut version puts in all those sexualized scenes with Natalie Portman that the American version, the professional mm. cut out. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't. I don't think I saw a different version. The one that I saw was was plenty uncomfortable. Along was it that. called the one you saw? Was it called Leon or the Professional? The Professional. Yeah. Oh my God! Well, you've got another movie to see because <laughs> you're missing about twenty minutes of footage. Of, oh really? Of yeah. Um, but I even think, but I, I tend to think that even, um, even movies like this, like they indulge in it in, in little ways that they're, where they're kind of like being not honest. I, well, I think they're trying to have it both ways in these movies a lot of times. Right. mm -hmm. Cause you know, you put this thing where, so basically he's hired by, um, I think a Senator or a Congressman or or those might be the same thing. I don't know. Um, to save his daughter because his daughter runs away a lot and now she's run away to be in a brothel right Right. in this sort of creepy townhouse the whole movie set in new york and you know he goes in kills everybody with a hammer saves her um but it just i don't know i don't you know what i think you know what i think's missing here Hmm. is um i mean besides the fact that you can you can sum up this movie as a hitman who specializes in rescuing women or children gets double crossed, chokes his way up the food chain. Yeah. We've seen that movie probably 50 times. What's missing here is, and I think it ha- happened when you were describing it. I, I realized that they don't show any of his brutal killings. And everybody talks about this movie as being so brutal. It's so brutal. Mm-hmm. It's not brutal at all. We don't see it, it, the camera turns away from almost every time he kills somebody. Mm-hmm. Why would it do that? Is right. it because I, I think there's two possibilities. Either she is uninterested in that aspect of it, the John Wick aspect of it, mm-hmm. and is denying us the dessert, right, of him beating people to death with a hammer. Sure. Why, get, why give somebody a hammer if you don't get to see it? Um, or is she, and this is where I, I hope that's not happening, but it, that's what it felt like. It felt like it was trying to be so noble that it didn't want it didn't want to lose the audience. Like it has such a noble cause and it has, you know, he, he's you know, he's nice to his mom and it's it's in a weird way it's um it's kind of a feel good movie. Mm-hmm. And maybe she didn't wanna make it as exploitative as 
It could have been. Maybe there's a version that exists where we get to see that hammer hit somebody. But I think we never see that hammer hit anybody in the head. It never connects, no. I think the violence that we do <clears throat> see is we, we see the bad guy uh, shoot the the concierge at the hotel, the cop. Remember, shoots uh-huh, that guy. Right. And then uh-huh. you see him snap the cop's neck. Um, but yeah, most of the violence is 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 pretty. It's off screen. Off it's screen off screen, or, yeah. Or hazy in the background of of a convenience store video or something. And it, I was so confused because people. I remember when it came out, and everybody was saying it's so brutal. Oh my god! And it's kind of like with Hereditary, where people said no jump scares. It's a real movie, and mm-hmm. you know we counted eleven distinct textbook jump scares in yeah, that movie. Right, exactly. It's like pe- people say something is the case because it aligns with what they need it to be. Mm-hmm. They needed Hereditary not to be like a Blumhouse movie, but it's 100% a jump scare type movie. They need this movie to be quote brutal, but it's not. I don't. Well, let's. I, don't I mean, know. let's. Yeah, we can. I mean, we can totally unpack what it's doing here because it also it follows the genre and it is based on on a book by Jonathan Ames. Um, so I'm not sure if this <laughs> lies with Ames or with. Uh, uh, Ramsey or 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 who exactly? But the one uh, genre conceit in these movies that bugs the hell out of me every time is that you know you're talking about him hammering his way up the food chain. So he starts on the gritty streets. He starts where it's really ugly, and of right. course, it ends up in a lush mansion somewhere where yep. the real bad guys are. <laughs> you know these these yep. politicians, whatever. You know. But the problem is, is that we are, um, we're in it, we're denied that final kill. And a lot of movies are doing that lately, where you see a guy move through and then there's supposed to be this resolution. Why do you think these movies always pull back at the end? Like, I think it, it started, it started in the, in like in the eighties and the nineties where people would do, they pull the, you're not worth it. And it was, they wanted people to, to be impressed with that, that restraint. But do you notice that they only do that with the rich people when you work your way up to like the very wealthy? Is there something going on with that where we'll watch him like beat up street thugs? All, not, not just him, know. but in Are all these movies, he'll beat up. They're, they're afraid that we might we might purge the rich people if they showed too many. Rich I think murders. so, man. I think it would get. I think it gets into our psychology where it's like <laughs> these are the people to be beaten. But when you get all the way, and I mean, and the the rich guy in this case does die, but it's completely off screen. The girl cuts his throat or whatever, and it's kind of, in a way, it felt to me a sort of you know, this this sort of half baked idea that you know that she's taking some sort of power back and and she can she can actually you know kill this guy on her own right does she even need the, like it, there's some interesting questions of of uh, and i think sort of brave questions of like what's the agency of like a young girl right, right. um how cuz remember she runs away initially she almost it's almost kind of implied i think that she s- sort of puts herself into that brothel right and so, and then she ends up killing. So, like, so what exactly is her agency and all this? I don't, I don't know if she might as well have been a, a like a rag doll in that movie. Yeah, I don't remember but, yeah, anything but, she even says. But Whereas yeah, but that question about... isn't really interestingly explored. That's what I was going to say because right. it's. A, but so, but what what we do get is a death, and the one guy you really want to see get it, like the major pedophile um, senator guy. You want to see him eat it more than you'd want to see. I don't know right. some some guy who's manning the door at, at the, at the lowest rung of things, but you don't get to see that. Why do you never see the rich person eat it? 
It's interesting. I, you know, now that I think about it, the first time it really annoyed me when a movie didn't do that was with Roadhouse in the 80s, and it involved the rich person at the top of the food chain. And that one, I think I even said something the minute it happened. So if, if everybody remembers Roadhouse, Patrick Swayze first is beating up everybody throughout the movie, but then he starts to kill everybody. He mm-hmm. starts rip, he starts ripping out throats, right? Right. And he, and then he, uh, to get to the, uh, the Brad Wesley, the bad guy, he's the big mansion, like you described, the big mansion on the hill. He starts killing his way up there. There's some, he's, he, like to give the knife back to the guy who stabbed Sam Elliott. They find that guy with a knife in his chest and he uh, obviously rips out the throat in that famous moment. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, he gets to the last guy and he, his fingers go back in his now patented throat ripping move. Right. <laughs> and, and he's like, you're not worth it. And he lets him fall. And I remember thinking, you've committed so many murders on right. your way up here. Right. And you're not going to kill the last guy. And then to, as an out, usually in those shittier movies, uh, the the kill the guy will make some final move and force the guy to have to kill him, mm-hmm. and in this one he goes for a gun and then all the townspeople gun him down. But Swayze doesn't do it, and I remember being so frustrated with that. Like right. you can't give, you can't give us that moment. And I remember thinking, is it because the guy who played Brad Wesley is a famous actor? Is it like he in his contract he's like, eh, I don't want you to rip my throat out. That's kind of mm-hmm. people remember me that way. Hmm. Uh, but all these were you know, just thoughts as a kid. And so I, I kind of like your theory that they don't want to show too many people take them to the gu- the guillotine. Right. Right. Well, because I mean, everything on this planet does operate the, like these genre movies are touching on a really solid truth of reality, which is that the face of whatever is currently um, bothering us is not the real face that's making that happen. Of course, there's guys, there's guys all the way up the chain. There's like, basically it's the, it is these people in power, these people in mansions that are orchestrating all of this kind of stuff. And so if the idea is like, okay, we keep them, you know, fighting amongst themselves, but like, could you imagine if, if there was a, a a series of films over the course of, you know, five or six years that were explicitly about that, you know, not, not the purge where, you know, it's, it's, commoners killing each other but it was literally movies about the poor rising up and slaughtering the rich it would just it would never happen i want to see more of those there's um what was the uh sin city actually had a very satisfying working his way up the food chain Mm -hmm. um doesn't he feed he feeds the serial killer rich kid to his to his own dog yeah cut, cuts off his arms and legs and then ties him off and just lets him sit there and munch on them mm-hmm. that was pretty severe and then he uh crushes the head of the other like i i think sin city is about the only time they really indulged in the people at the top mm-hmm. um torturing and murdering them right but I, I think you might be onto something yeah it's just a theory but yeah no and, and so i think um yeah kind of going maybe shifting the focus a little bit back to this particular oh, just occurred, movie. Can Go I ahead. jump in real quick? Yeah, it just yeah. occurred to me because now I'm thinking of choking your way up the food chain. Old boy has the weirdest version of it because yeah. he gets, he gets there and it's not satisfying, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's where the rich guy just laughs at him and watches as he tries to cut his own tongue out to say he's sorry to the rich guy. Mm-hmm. Like that might be the last word on the subject as far as not giving you that ending you know well they did that and and okay so thinking along the lines of old boy it makes me have you seen i saw the devil 
I saw The Devil as another movie I would call the last word on a topic. As far as the the duality of cop and killer, I don't think anybody, there's nothing left to say after that. Well, and it's also, it's also, as far as a revenge movie goes, I mean, it's making the point that I think if you were to ask the artists about a movie like this, but they're, (laughs) they would have some kind of bullshit reason, you know, why Patrick Swayze didn't kill the final guy, right? Because it's like, oh, with revenge, you never really, you never really get that kind of catharsis that you're looking for and blah, blah, blah. I saw the devil really invests in that idea and follows it it to its brutal, logical conclusion. So the fact that that movie did it, and like you said, old boy did it too. It's kind of been done, right? So I'm thinking with these kind of revenge choke up the food chain movies, it's like, we got to find, I was talking to you about this on the phone. It's like, we got to find some new life in this genre because it's just you can make it look beautiful like this movie did and it is a it's a beautiful well-paced uh well-acted uh very artsy movie that i enjoyed looking at a lot but it it brings nothing new to the table well it does i think it does have one unimpeachable sequence and that's when he uh kills the hitmen that have killed his mom but Uh, one of them yep one of them's not dead yet, so he lays on the floor and holds hands with him and listens to a 70s folk rock song. And it, it, that sounds cheesy out loud, but it's very effective. It's very effective. It's very effective, and I think that that, you know, and but that's I think that's what we get with movies now, right? Is we get uh, variations on a theme, and in each good version of this movie, you come away with one new thing. And I think maybe mm. I'm greedy. Maybe I want... I want more reinvention well, of the like, wheel, but that scene is great. I mean, it is really, I love stuff that focuses on one. I love stuff that focuses on like kind of the every man bad guy, which I don't think we get enough of. Right. So you really get this focus on this guy. Who's just like, he's a absolutely cold blooded murderous killer, but it's also just kind of his job, you know? Um, and also the fact that, yeah, when you kill somebody, you are killing a human being, right? And so that hand-holding moment is really effective because you're like, oh, even though this guy just murdered his mom and stuff, like he's going through the process of, you know, dying from a bullet in the gut. And that's not fun, no matter who you are, right? And what's great about it is they picked... They picked a, a faceless toady to share the moment with. Right. Some sometimes I've seen that, and you've seen that move, and even in huge movies like Heat, holding hands with the the killer and cop hold hands at the end. Like he, they held hands with one of the toadies because it was it did have a moment that that like you said gives you an idea of like the importance of human life for just a second mm-hmm. in the middle of this very by the numbers kind of revenge movie mm-hmm. at least on paper not visually right. but but yeah and that to play that song it, it feels kind of perverse i don't know if you're familiar with that song it's called i've never been to me hmm. and it sounds like maybe it was chosen because of the title is mm-hmm. is very you know it's an indicative of the title of this movie but that song is uh, – I actually have a long history with that song. My mom used to listen to that over and over again, and I never knew the significance of it. And only recently my sister and I were talking about it because growing up – my sister is way younger. So growing up, it was just me and my brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom would listen to this song, and I remember me and my brother in the car, and we're thinking, what is she doing? She really likes this song. But what's happening is that she's raising two boys, which, as you know, as as a boy yourself, means you're raising like two subhuman morons. 
And so she was, she was like dreaming of being somewhere else. She uh-huh. was dr- dreaming of not being stuck with these two, you know, two animals. <laughs> and, and if you listen to that song, the song is just about, you know, Oh, you know, I've never been, I've never really been happy. Wow. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, that's some dark shit, mom. <laughs> that is really, that's super dark. And I and think, a, I think later, a window into like, your psyche, maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, years later, I'm sure she'd be like, yeah, that's a, that was a good song. I liked it. Sure. But you know, yeah. young, young Dave and young Floyd in the back of the car, like, huh, I wonder why we're parked at this grocery store. And she's listening to this whole song again. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of this time that when my mom and dad got a divorce, my dad, was trying to explain to me like his feelings and he played this I can't even remember what it was called it was like some country song about like moving on down the road right and dad was just like listening and we're sitting in the car and he's listening to it and he's kind of singing along with it and getting very emotional about the song and it's like the like the worst dumb pop country song and I I I don't think I've ever wanted to crawl out of my skin more than that particular moment but Poor dad. Here's what my dad actually came up to me when I was in junior high and he put headphones on my head and he said, listen to this. It's all you need to know. I don't remember what song it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember. And I can't ask. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, remember. it's like whenever your dad is like trying to be just, just level with you, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I was just, I was too young, you know, I was, I think I was 16 or something like that. I'm like, I'm not going to listen to, I don't know what, I just want to get away from this, you know? Well, that's why this movie exists because this movie is for dads out there everywhere. It is a dad movie. (laughs) To have a little dad rock in their lives. Right, right. And I think that, that, I think that is literally the, um, that's the audience for it. And I think maybe because I'm not a dad and I'm definitely not a, I mean, I'm not the right age or, and I also haven't ever been a father. So there's a lot of stuff I think that I'm probably missing from it. But you have, you have the dad tendencies. First of all, Mm. you, when you talked earlier about there's something about these movies that is pleasing yet you yet familiar, but also you, you want something else from them, I think, or maybe I misinterpreted what you said, but it's kind of like rock music Mm. or, you know, this, this, fucking dad rock that I keep saying over and over again is it's something that's so familiar and you can't really fuck with it. You know, like mm-hmm. what do you want? Do you want, do you want Bob Seger to shake it up to, <laughs> and to, sure. to go enough. experimental, to go experimental? No, we want to listen to night moves, right? Sure. So, so what, so John wick and this movie to some extent is pandering to that. And it's saying if it's not broken, you know, or don't fix it or, is that even how that sentence goes? I, don't I know. think so. Yeah, I'm and I, I could see that too. But that brings up another thing, though, is that, you know, I was thinking about the movie The Raid, you know? Like, whenever The Raid oh, came yeah, out, it sort of yeah, changed yeah. action for every everything. <laughs> uh, and then The Raid led to, like, John Wick, which you keep mentioning. And it's like, but once John Wick exists, and it's so good, it's kind of like, there are to, to, like there are final words in my head on these kind of things. Like John Wick to me is the, is the best trading up the chain action movie. You know, I saw the devil and old boy pretty much did revenge, you know? And it's kind of like, what do you do now? I saw the devil, I think is definitely the last thing you need to say about, um, here's the killer and here's the cop. Mm -hmm. Are they, are they the same? You know, it's that answers that question. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, fuck was I going to ask you? I forget. I was going to ask you something. I can't remember. That's okay. 
can't remember. I'm half asleep. You got anything <clears> else <throat> you want to talk about with this movie? Because I mean, um, I, I liked it. I mean, it was good. I mean, it's not it's not a bit it's not a bad movie. I mean, I feel like our mode on this show is is definitely to critique, which makes it more interesting. Um, but it's not a it's not bad by any stretch say, of the imagination. I'd say almost almost great, good, yeah. almost great. Yeah. Is that uh, I, I definitely want you to watch. We need to talk about Kevin because I think the the visual nature of this movie is what makes it exceptional. Mm-hmm. On paper, on paper, it doesn't it wouldn't get past the door with me as far as what it's about because mm-hmm. it's right. We've seen it a million times, but the visuals is, are what makes it the weird water funeral in this, mm-hmm. the, his, his blackouts. And if you watch, we need to talk about Kevin. I think you get the whole package. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a tomato sequence. That's amazing in that there's the choice of weapon that the kid has. I'm not even going to spoil it for you. Everything is, it, it's as if, um, She's unleashed because it was maybe this was more of a mainstream movie, more mm-hmm. of a mainstream mm-hmm. movie than people than people are giving her credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Wait, you mean this one or Kevin? Uh, this one. Oh no, it's a totally mainstream movie. It's just a, it's just an extremely visually interesting mainstream film. Yeah, um, I can't wait to see what she does next. I mean, yeah. Well, did here's what I was going to ask you. Have you seen? Um, I finally watched American Pimp. Oh, a long time ago. Yeah, I watched that a long time ago. See, I I had always had it mistaken with uh, Pimps Up, Hose Down, mm, mm-hmm. which is just an it's like an episode of an HBO documentary, but it's but it's better. It, I don't I don't feel like I needed to see American Pimp. I don't think it did anything different than that episode of Pimps Up or that episode of whatever HBO show that was that they went to the Players Ball or whatever. Oh yeah yeah yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And Ch- Chappelle did a, a skit about the players haters ball. Yeah, yeah. Like that's all because you're talking about the last words on the subject. I feel like American Pimp. I I got to it so late mm-hmm. that I didn't I didn't appreciate it. Yeah, I mean that that happens. I think with a lot of um, with me with a, like a lot of classic <laughs> movies, and it's really sad because I think in a lot of ways I grew up watching stuff that was derivative of other stuff. Obviously, right. And then when uh-huh. you kind of go back and you see where it came from, you're like, oh, that's that's it. But it's not – I mean sometimes it's better and sometimes it's not, right? Oh, no. This, that's a great point. The same thing happened with um, – what do you call it? Uh, uh, John Carter. Um, John Carter, the source material, inspired so many things. And then when people finally saw it, it made into a movie, they're like, what? This feels like a ripoff of blank and blank and sure. blank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and like with um, – there was a CD I got recently because I was always curious about it. So speaking of, of dad rock, uh, Roger Waters, The Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking. No idea. Uh, so it's like the lead singer of Pink, of Pink Floyd, the dad rockiest thing ever. And I, I listened to it and I thought, what what the fuck is this? This sounds like The Wall. It's it's all the riffs from The Wall but, but done kind of lukewarm and with a sax, saxophone. <laughs> So I, I looked it up, and Roger Waters says, well, I had two ideas. I had the wall, and I had this pros and cons of hitchhiking, this concept album about a guy hitchhiking and dreaming. And my bandmates decided to go with um, the wall. Hmm. So the wall is the redundant thing. The wall is the thing that's using the riffs of the other thing. Hmm. But But because I never listened to the other thing, when I listen to it, I think – 
it's it's that whole I don't know if you're every Pink Floyd song on the radio from the wall was like it has that na 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 so that is all through this solo album. I'm thinking, dude, you ripped yourself off. But of course, I've got it backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens with all, like you just said, we, we see things, we see where things came from. And it's like if the the thing that does it best and the thing that did it last right. uh, is the thing that plants the flag or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, it's like, it's, like, it's like I said with John Wick. It's like John Wick completely retconned every like action oriented trade up the chain movie before it, you know, you can't go back uh-huh. in time and watch. I mean, I don't, I think it, it did it as, as early as like the taken movies, right? It's like mm-hmm. taken, taken was a little bit of a cultural thing, you know, like the Liam Neeson, like I have a very specific set of skills, but John <laughs> Wick came out like three years after that. And everybody forgot Taken. Like, it just wiped that movie off the face of the planet, you know? Because it's like, how about we do this, but 15 times better, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah it, can, it can just be that quick. So now people aren't going to go back and, you know... <laughs> but they keep trying to do it. And I think that if you're not really going to be really going for broke with something new and unique... This might just be my personal preference with stuff. I know it's not mo- most people like familiar things, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, like with something like you were never really here. You really, I think, I feel like there could have been, I don't know, something more interesting done with it. You know, um, yeah, because yeah. they they plant all those seeds, like the fact that he's suffocating, the fact that him and the girl both have this tendency to count to fifty or something. Him sort of holding his breath, her it seems almost like an OCD tick, but I think going back to like the, the old man, dad and young girl relationship, like they could have done something I think interesting with that considering that they're both damaged people. You know what I mean? You could be seeing Mm -hmm. the same person at different stages of being fucked up, but that, that to me was completely dropped. You know, like it it could have been the the sequel we didn't get because doesn't it end with them at a diner and I love the ending too. Yeah. Yeah. And it, Cause the ending makes me think it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh Florida project where I just want to see, I want to see them like have a nice friendship. Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. And, exactly. And like maybe in flashbacks, we could see this other movie. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that's, that's, it's really interesting that you say that too, because see that to me is starting to think sort of outside the, it's like just because a movie starts one way, doesn't mean it has to end that way. Right. And mm-hmm. Not saying that it's fair to even level this massive of a criticism on a movie that's just a genre movie, but how much better would it have been if instead, like once he saves her from that place, instead of becoming embroiled in some kind of conspiracy that goes all the way to the top, we just spent an hour (laughs) with those two kind of hanging out. You know what I mean? Like that, and and they, they... sort of go on an adventure together. You know what I mean? Like that could have been really, really interesting. Right. So the, so the, the plot that we're so familiar with just becomes one little background detail that makes this other thing possible to be much more entertaining, you know, exactly. Kind of like, you know, in a weird way, like Dave Chappelle's player, player haters ball Mm -hmm. was a hilarious riff on American pimp and pimp up, pimps up, hose down. And you don't really need those anymore. Right. Like once he made a little, you know, five minute joke of it, but it has everything in it anyway. Mm-hmm. And maybe if we saw them have dinner at the diner, um, we might, it might be more, I don't know what I'm even saying, but no, you know what I'm no, saying? No, no, we're saying the exact same thing. It's like, I, I, 
We talked about this in early era episodes where I talk about how I get anxious when I feel plot kicking in, right? And the sort of black hole magnetic pull of a genre film or a film in general needing to have a third act and needing to end in a certain way, I think Mm -hmm. is the, the thing that keeps me from watching movies the most is that there's no sense of exploration or play within movies. There's no, we have to go boom, 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 boom. We have to set this stuff up and knock it down. And, you know, maybe at the end of the day, maybe that's just what most people want. And I'm just going to have to deal with the fact that I'm on the outs and I'm never going to really get the thing that I want. But I just I can't help but think that taking something and turning it, (laughs) taking something and turning it and using it as a framework to explore something interesting seems to me to be where movies need to go because there have been so many final words on these genres. Yeah. So many genres have been put to bed by through through just repetition and, and increasing skill and special effects and things like that. Now it's time to like, all right, let's take these and let's let's fucking riff on them. Let's see where we can go with it. And it might be a dud, you know? Like you if let's say that you were never really here happened the way that I would want it to happen. Like it might end up being terrible. Like people would be like, Oh my God, they spent an hour in a diner or, you know, (laughs) they went to Disneyland or, you know, some shit like that. Right. But it's like, but isn't that to me, that's just more interesting. And I think that, I think that what, I mean, practically the reason why it would never happen is because Hollywood obviously is run by suits who would never in a million years let that happen because they're stupid people who or or let them or according to you let themselves be murdered on screen in a satisfying way exactly (laughs) well let's see where we're at i think that seems like a logical conclusion yeah that is a logical conclusion david james keaton thank you for uh i guess you know being the co-host of the show yeah yeah this was good good times I, i have a new baby in my life so i'm half I'm half a slim in this fugue state right now. Um, so this might not have made any sense because I haven't had slept much sleep. It made perfect sense. 